Preachers know that there is uh, at least one in every crowd. Uh, No matter what sermon you're preaching, no matter what series you're on, uh, there is at least one in every crowd. No matter who you are, how good you are, or how bad you are, how popular you are, or how relatively obscure you are as a preacher, there's one in every crowd. Uh, The one would be uh, someone who's sleeping. Most preachers do it long enough, you you sort of learn to become unflappable. I've heard stories of of little, you know, sounds going off in one part of the auditorium and preachers just have to preach right on through it, but everybody else in the audience is like, what's going on? You've heard stories like that too. We have to learn to be unflappable. And uh, there's always someone with uh, their head bowed for uh, quite a long length of time, eyes closed. Just so you know, we know you're not sleeping. We know you're not praying, rather. We know what you're really doing. And some people have come up to me and said, I'm sorry, I I work this shift or I'm on this medicine and... and, uh, we treat that all very graciously. We understand that we are human, and I believe God understands that too. Now, that being said, that doesn't give you permission to sleep during the sermon. Uh, if you do it tonight, I will call you out, <laughs> in particular because the title of the message is Stay Awake. Jesus is uh, speaking on this topic. It's more than just about physical sleep. He's speaking about how in our walk as disciples, as followers of Jesus, it is tempting to get caught up in things of this world. You wouldn't believe it, but, but there are people right now who are not intensely focused on the gospel of Luke or what Jesus has to say nearly as much as they are the chiefs. I know, it's crazy to think about, but, but it's true. You would believe, you would find it hard to believe that there are some people who care uh, very little uh, what this book says uh, and not nearly as much about what it says compared to uh, what their politics of the day says, what their Fox News or their MSNBC or uh, uh, what their commentators have to say. You'd be surprised, or maybe not, to know that there's some people that memorize song lyrics from certain musicians and artists, and they have them indelibly implanted in their brain forever. But yet they struggle to memorize one verse from God's Word. The reason for all those things is because people fall asleep. No, not physically. I mean, physically their eyes are open and they seem awake, but they've fallen asleep. They've, they've stopped paying attention. And Jesus, as he nears the end of his life at his ministry, knows that this is the most important thing for his disciples to understand is the necessity of staying awake, maintaining vigilance and paying attention to the world in which they live. The real concern is not the sleeper in the pew, but rather the person who sleeps his way through life person who goes about living his life and not paying attention to the deeper matters, not paying attention to their choices, their lives, their relationships, their sin, or their eternity. Stay awake 
his words are instructive for them and for us. Turn to Luke chapter 21. If you are not there already, tonight we will be in verses 34 and following. The first thing that we see is as uh, a little bit, we set a little bit of context. Jesus is nearing the end of his earthly life and his ministry, and he's beginning to teach and instruct the things that are of greatest importance. Not that, they're, not that the previous 20 chapters has not been important, but, but he knows that the end is nearing. He knows more even than they do that a time is coming when he won't be with them to answer their questions. That a time is coming when they will not hear him teach. That a time is coming when they will not be able to see exactly what it is he's doing. And so he needed them to understand some very important things. There are some events on the horizon. In, in 70 AD, Jerusalem will be destroyed, surrounded, uh, uh, laid siege to, and utterly, totally destroyed. We are three or four decades from that event at this point, but there are some who Jesus is speaking to that will be alive when that happens. There are some of his followers who will be alive when, they, when that happens, and if they don't pay attention carefully to his instructions, they will not survive it. The uh, coming persecution uh, that will come to the early church, if they're not paying attention, they will not be ready, ready for it. Their faith will wither under the intense heat that the enemy will bring. And Jesus says, right before this section, he says, look at the fig tree, look at all the trees. As soon as they come out and leaf, you see for yourselves, and you know that the summer is already near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all has taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. We know that's true. Uh, We're in the season where the leaves are falling. We know that winter is coming. My son Tyler mows lawns and is in the the season of leaf mowing for a few of his customers. He's mowing up the leaves. That's the season we're in. He knows there will be a time and eventually all the leaves will be mulched and the trees will have no more to shed and we'll take the lawnmower to the maintenance shop and get the oil changed and the blade sharpened and all of that. That's the season we're in. And then, and then in a few months, those trees will begin to bud and bloom and blossom again, and the cycle will repeat itself. We know those things by simple observation. You live long enough, you understand the seasons, you understand the, the signs of the seasons, you understand what those signs mean. We, we pay attention to worldly signs and seasons, and Jesus is saying, if you do that, then pay now attention to the things which are about to happen. There are signs, there are seasons, there are things that are happening, and I'm going to tell you what those are, and you need to make sure to listen closely. As the world is falling apart, Jesus is now working to make sure that the kingdom stays together. You see, the kingdom is not yet here yet. It's, it's upon them, but it will be in the hands of the men that he's speaking to. And... They need to listen and, and pay close attention to what Jesus So The first thing he says is exactly that. He calls them to first pay attention. 
verses uh, 34 and following. But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life, and that day will come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. We must pay attention. Jesus was clear in the parable of the sower, parable of the seed, depending on what you want to call it. Um, And he talked about the four different types of soils. And one in particular was what he called the thorny soil. He says in Luke chapter 8, Some of the seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. May, as you think about in your life, uh, people who have been at one point Christians, but who are no longer. People who at one point you participated in faith with, and they choose not to any longer. Jesus went on to explain what the thorns meant, verse 14. And And for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear. They go on their way, they are choked. By what? By the cares and the riches and the pleasures of life. And their fruit does not mature. There are many people, and there would be people even amongst the disciples, who would, whose faith would be choked out, not by persecution, not by difficulty or trial, but by ease and comfort and the cares of this world. And Jesus says you, ha- you have to pay attention. You have to pay attention that you do not let yourself uh, be easily swayed by the things of this world. You see, it would be 30 or 40 years before the coming destruction, plenty of time to get caught up in the ways of the world, cares and comfort and ease. It's easy for them and for us, if we're honest, to get bogged down by the things of this life. And sometimes when I say we get bogged down by the things of the world, we think, well, you know, someone falls upon hard times, they go through hard things, they have health problems. Those are hard times, to be sure. But there's other ways of getting choked out. There's other ways of faith being choked out that are not nearly as hard. May we pay attention to our lives and, and make sure that the, you see, the thorns grow very slowly. They choke things out, not immediately, but gradually. Jesus says, pay attention. Uh, Paul shares a similar idea, jumping out of the Gospel of Luke for just a moment, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He says this in chapter 9, verse 24. Now, he's not talking about thorns and seeds and all of that, he simply uses the analogy of a race. He says this, Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. 
but I discipline my body and keep it under control lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. It's a sort of a frightening thought. Paul the Apostle would say that it's possible for him, an apostle, a missionary, sent to Jew and Gentile alike, for even him to be disqualified from the prize. How, Paul? Well, because he forgot what he was running for. So he is, we have to be diligent. No one is above this warning. And uh, if the apostles weren't, then we certainly are not either. The world is stickier than we think. And a lot of times it's not one big thing, it's lots of little things. Uh, I found this example of the, I believe it's called the Personia, Pisonia birdcatcher tree. It's a very interesting tree. Uh, how it works is it has these seeds, but these seeds are not just normal seeds. They're covered in this very sticky sap. And the birds love to land in the branches, and the, the, the sap sticks to their feathers, to their wings, to the point where they're not able to take off and fly anymore. And it, it's exactly as it's named. Uh, I found a video of a guy who had one of these trees, which are very beautiful, very dangerous. All right, this is Pisonia umbellifera, also known as the umbrella catch bird tree. And I want to show you why you don't want to plant one of these in your yard. These are all the flowers. And where the name comes from is that they're extremely sticky and can actually catch birds. This was found on the ground. It's a hummingbird. It's trapped in there pretty good. Very pretty tree. What attracted me was the, the variegated leaves. But once it got to, to this size, it just started flowering like crazy. And all these little sticky fruits get in your hair, gets in my dog's fur, it gets tracked in the house, the kids. And if I'm not careful, I'll get it stuck in my hair, my clothes. To show you how easy it is to get stuck with this. Here's some that fell off, which is usually the stickiest. Just barely put my hand on top. Look at all that. Imagine getting that in your hair or your dog's fur. It's a real nightmare to, to get off. So, this tree... To me, that's a picture of what the world is like. When Jesus says, be careful, watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down. There are some birds that land in that tree, beautiful, flowering tree, little knowing that they are entering into a trap. And the trap isn't sprung immediately, the trap is sprung, sprung gradually, they get one wing in, they get a few feathers here, they get a few seeds on them, and all of a sudden they're weighed down to the point where they cannot fly. And just like you saw the hummingbird underneath that tree, uh, there, there are 
the, under the bird catcher trees are all of these uh, deceased birds that simply became weighed down with the, the seeds of the tree. The danger for followers of Jesus is becoming weighed down with the sticky seeds of the world. It's easy to do. The, the, it, the stickiness is attractive. It, it comes in forms of entertainment. And it, it, it's the things we watch. It's the things we listen to. It, it's the stickiness. It's the gradual encroachment of those things into our lives. It's people. It's, it's, it's uh, the ways of the world. It, it's, uh, it's the way, and I, I think that to me, when Jesus says, watch yourself lest you be weighed down, to me is, was not the picture of immediate, this weight being set upon you. No, that would be too simple. You'd say, oh, this is heavy and let go of it. The world works much more subtly, as does the enemy. May we, may we pay, pay attention. Think for just a moment. Make it very personal. Ask yourself for just a moment, what's sticking to you these days? Something you're watching, something you're listening to. Something you know shouldn't be there. A person you know shouldn't be. Maybe it's a job. Maybe, maybe it pays really well, but the, the, the environment's terrible. It, it costs you much in terms of your family life and your spiritual life. The, the stickiness is gradual, you see. And if we're not paying attention, it gets us. But the way it gets us, it, the only way with the, the gradualness is that we're, we're, we don't realize we're in trouble until it's too late to do anything about it. So, so don't get caught with the world. Pay attention. The author of Hebrews puts it like this. Hebrews chapter 12 uses this uh, wonderful visual that I think. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is marked out before us. A runner, when they're going the distance, they work to remove every possible weight. Runner shorts, runner shorts are very light and, and, and thin by design. It's supposed to be minimal weight for a maximum journey. Runners shave their legs. Runners wear the very lightest socks and footwear. Some runners run barefoot or with just a very thin piece of leather, especially those who have a great distance to go. Writer of Hebrews says the same way. Lay aside every weight. Sin which clings, and let us run with endurance. So may we pay attention when you run a race to remove anything that is impeding you or weighing you down. Um, I was thinking about this with the, the idea of a race. Imagine running a race and picking up at every mile marker, let's say in a marathon, at every one mile mark, you know, Gary Brown's a runner. Run, run a mile, and at a mile, there's somebody sitting holding a cup of water. They hold a one-pound weight. Now, one-pound weight is not—it's—it's it's nothing. It's very insignificant, right? 
So you, you, you take that first weight, and you take that second weight, you take that third weight. By the time, time you get halfway through, you're, you know, uh, 11 and a half pounds, 12 pounds, somewhere heavier. By the time you get to the end of the race, you're 23 pounds heavier. It's a much harder race to run. You'll probably give up. You might even quit before finishing. I think that's the way the enemy works. I think it's what Jesus is warning the disciples about. Listen, you've got 30, 40 years to go before the promises that I tell you are going to come true. You have to pay attention. You've got to make sure you don't get stuck or weighed down with the things of this world and this life. Secondly, Jesus calls us to us and them to stay alert. Luke highlights the struggle. Uh, <laughs> verse 36, he says, but stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Okay. Got to pause here, take an audience scan here, make sure all, yeah, oh, the, all the heads popped up now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you can go back to sleep now. Okay. Um, <laughs> Luke highlights this struggle. When Jesus says stay awake, this is not the first time. I, I don't know if they were actually having trouble staying awake, but it, they did many times in the, in the gospel of Luke. Uh, you're interested, you're awake now. Turn to Luke chapter 9, verse 31 through 33. We'll read uh, a couple of examples. When you un- struggle in the sermon or class with staying awake, you need to understand that's in your DNA. Christians seem to always be falling asleep before their teachers. That was all the way back in the beginning. Luke chapter 9, verse 31. Um, 31, we are at the transfiguration. The transfiguration, by the way. The moment when we're watching Jesus, closest earthly physical tr- change, where he's transformed into something probably representing his... or. Uh, Closer, closer to his heavenly appearance. This in, in powerful, life-changing sight. White so bright that they, it was blinding. And here right in the middle of it. The... <laughs> verse 29. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered and his clothes became dazzling white. And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now, this is an amazing thing in terms of an event. This is something you'd be like, I would think you'd be, whew, man, just like on the edge of your seat, wide open eyes, completely paying attention. No. <laughs> verse, verse 32. Now, Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep. But when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. How do you fall asleep for something like that? How do you fall asleep in a moment like that? You'd be surprised. The flesh is powerful. Turn to Luke chapter 12. Verse 36 and 37. Jesus is telling a story. He says... Uh, Verse 36, stay dressed for action. Keep your lamps burning. Be like men who are waiting for their master to come home for the wedding feast so that they may be open the door at once to him when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master uh, finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them reclined at the table and he will come and serve 
The servants that are blessed, Jesus says, are those who are paying attention, those who are awake, those who are, 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 are ready, who are um, clear, who are unencumbered by the things of the world. And, and then our, our chapter here tonight, Luke chapter uh, I'm not not tonight, but uh, coming up next uh, week or two. Twenty-two, Luke chapter twenty-two, forty-five and forty-six. The night before Jesus is betrayed, in the garden, while he was still speaking, there was a crowd. The man Judas was one of the twelve. Was leading them. He drew ne- near to Jesus to kiss him. This, by the way, Luke chapter twelve or twenty-two, verse uh, forty-eight. But Jesus said to him, "I'm, I'm sorry." I, I spoke, go back to verse 45. And when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. I don't know if, uh, I don't know if uh, you did this. Have you ever had a bad day and it's just like, it's so bad you don't even know what to do? I'm speaking to you specifically. You ever have a bad day? It's like so bad that you just like, the only thing you do is just go to your room, shut the door, and go to sleep. That, that This is where the disciples are. You're ready to be a disciple. <laughs> they were so bummed out by what they heard Jesus talking about, about his betrayal, and so overwhelmed by that, and so anxious by that, that their natural instinctive reaction was just, we just need to sleep. Well, the disciples did the same thing. All right, so there are several examples in, uh, in Luke where the, the disciples are struggling to stay awake the state of being asleep is being a state in a state of blissful unawareness. Blissful unawareness. When I go to sleep, all my worries disappear. When I go to when I go to sleep, there is no stress. When I when I go to sleep, I mean, I'm serious about this around my house. <laughs> like I t- I've told Christy a couple of times, if something happens during the night, it is. All on Christy to get me awake. Because I'm a heavy sleeper. I mean, my conscience is clean. I'm secure with Jesus. <laughs> if she doesn't wake me up, I, you know, it, it, it's one of those things that um, when you are in a state of sleep, you are completely unaware. That's what's so appealing about when you have a bad day, you go to sleep. There are people who sleep with their eyes wide open. They live in a state of blissful unawareness. And Jesus is warning the disciples and us against living in that kind of way. It's easy to go to sleep with your eyes wide open. It's easy to distract yourself. It's easy to not pay attention. It's easy to not uh, think that any of uh, these things matter. May we not live in a state of blissful, blissful unawareness. As the body struggles with physical sleep, the soul struggles with its struggle to stay alert. Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, the warning from Paul to the church at Thessalonica is poignant. 1 Thessalonians 5, 5 and following. For you are all children of light. Children of the day. We are not of the light. 
uh, we are not of the night or of the darkness, so then let us not sleep as others do. But let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for the helmet, uh, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with Him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as in fact you are doing. So, may His words not just apply in their world, may it apply in ours as well. May we Strive with all that we have to stay awake and alert. In an age of distraction, it's especially hard to focus. Many people are sleepwalking. They are blissfully unaware. And we in the church, believe it or not, are to be sort of like a holy alarm clock calling attention back to the things that are true, that are right, that are noble, that are lovely, paying attention to the times that we live in, being shrewd, being discerning. It's not just the preacher's job to be the holy alarm clock. I mean, I, I can do that. I don't mind doing that. But, but it's all of our jobs. You have a family that God's given you, and there are some people in your family that are spiritually asleep and heading toward hell. Are you trying to wake them up? You have kids at your school, in your classes, next to you. If you're a disciple of Jesus, are you speaking any light, any hope, any truth, any love? Are you being a holy alarm clock? Are you just living your life on snooze? You have neighbors and friends and co-workers, people heading to hell. And God's put you in their lives to be a holy alarm clock to wake them up out of the state of blissful unawareness and to bring them to Jesus. May we be awake to the idea that we are all in a spiritual conflict, a spiritual battle. As Paul wrote in Ephesians 6, Praying at all times with the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance. Don't get weighed down with the things of the world. Don't get distracted by things that do not matter. May we then be awake to the things which do matter. Things which matter most. Last scripture, and it's not from Luke. But to remind you of this fact, you and I have a hungry enemy, and he is real and he is mean. First Peter chapter 5, verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. You see... It's it's hard to get stuck. It's hard to be stuck 
and weighed down with the things and cares and the anxieties of the world if you are casting those anxieties onto him. Continuing, verse 8. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in the faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brothers throughout the world. After you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. The enemy is real, he's hungry, and his easiest prey are those who are weighed down, those who are distracted, those who are not paying attention. So may we pay attention, may we not be weighed down by the distractions, the cares, the worries, the anxieties, even the good things of life, and instead be awake to what Jesus called us to waken ourselves to. Watch yourselves. Watch yourselves. Stay awake at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape these things that are going to take place. They didn't understand the severity of the warning that he was giving them, did they? My question is, do we? May we be awake and not asleep. Pray with me. Father in heaven, As we close our eyes, I pray that our eyes are opened, that our hearts are paying attention, that we're awake and alert and sober and serious about the world that we live in, about the battle that we are in. May we be vigilant, paying attention, not giving up, staying faithful. May we run to win. We stay focused on you. Father, if we are asleep, wake us up. Father, if there's something within our lives that is keeping our focus off of you, rip it from our hands and our hearts. Crush it. Kill it. Completely. Totally. Father, if there's anything of the world or within us It sings a sweet, soft lullaby, lulling us to sleep. Wake us, Father. Open our eyes. Help us to pay attention. Stay alert. Be vigilant. And not give up. We long for the day when your son returns. May we be found waiting and awake when he does. We pray these things in his name. Lesson is yours tonight. If you need to respond in a public way by putting on Christ or following Christ, or if you've been asleep, maybe it's time to waken. Maybe it's time to wake up. If you need to respond in a public way, please meet me down front as together we stand and sing.